Patriots has a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth. So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not going to stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Tuesday night edition of the show, 21st of February already. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. And are you getting ready for the big snowstorm? Yeah, we got another one bearing down on us. It's supposed to start this evening. Um, It hasn't started doing anything yet, but I think the temperature is beginning to drop just a little bit. Um, Uh, I had a real nice day today, up to 43, 44 degrees, but tonight... Supposed to be snowing and four degrees. Oh, okay. And we're in the, uh, it went up to about 81, 82 today. It'll go down to the high 60s tonight. Nothing like rubbing it in. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, and yet uh, a woman in Florida got eaten by an alligator a couple of days ago. Hasn't happened in Nebraska in over a million years. Yeah. Yeah, no, we heard about that. She was walking really where she shouldn't have been along a canal. in Florida. In Florida. I mean, (laughs) most of us are smart enough to know you don't walk along the canal banks. You know, if I took one of my dogs for a walk in Florida, it would drag me towards the alligator. Probably. He'd get even with you. (laughs) You know, I mean, I just know how that would work. Yes. You know, yes. so now we're supposed to have a, a big snow, uh, maybe, maybe a foot, maybe 13, 14 inches, oh, gross. Uh, something like that. Lots of wind, lots of cold for the next couple of days. And then by the weekend, it's going to warm back up to, to around 40. Well, guess what? You've got a lot of uh, global warming to shovel. Again. Again. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I'm getting so tired of shoveling global warming off my driveway, I could just about spit. I know. You know what you should do? Shovel it all up in one big, you know, freezer bag and ship it to D.C. and tell them what they can do with their global warming. <laughs> Luckily, we've had a couple of weeks where it's been decent weather, so we've had some melting. Otherwise, we'd have no place to put this new snow. Oh, dear. You know, so uh, yeah. well, we'll get through it. We always do. I left that as a kid and have never looked back. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, uh, this week, it's just an interesting week. I mean, we're only at Tuesday and mm-hmm. it, it's already turning out to be really a bizarre week. Um, you know, Joe Biden was in Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you mean, you're talking about the uh, ultimate photo op, huh? Well, that, and he went over there to pick up Hunter's paycheck, so. Oh, that could be. You know, 
uh, save a little save a little bit on postage. That's what global warming alarmists do. They they save the Earth by flying private jets. And, you sure. know, there is no bigger private jet than Air Force One. So, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Now, now he's where he's in Poland now. He's in Poland, and he was bloviating today. And you know, the last thing we need. Um, is Joe Biden over in a very dangerous area. Not because it's a danger to him, is because he's making it more dangerous. Putin also gave a speech today, his State of the Union, if you will, and he actually blames the whole Ukraine crisis on Ukraine, saying Russia is fighting for their life. Right. That everybody's trying to, you know, get the Russians. In the meantime, Joe Biden is bloviating. You know, we're going to stand by Ukraine, which I do agree with him on. Um, However, he's kind of baiting Putin and baiting China. And I kind of think that's a dangerous thing to do because he doesn't have the mental acuity to really follow through. That's not going to... That's not going to end well. No, it's not. You know, I mean, it's just not. Now, tonight on the show, you're you're talking about an essay on Ukraine. Right. And that was written before he uh, went to Ukraine. Next week, I will be following up with that visit to Ukraine and the aftermath and the baiting and everything else. So that's going to be interesting. I'm taking on Biden's Balloonapalooza. I love I. that title. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite titles in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and because, as as you can imagine, folks, there's going to be a little bit of snark in that. So. And I love the first photo. I uh, l- let me just say this, you know, folks, if you haven't checked it out already on my website, thenationalpatriot.com. Check it out, if for no other reason than the illustrations that are in it. Yeah, they're they're really funny. There, there's there's some there's some pretty funny stuff just to look at. Yeah, you know, in there. So check that out. But let's start um, with Russia. I mean, we're talking about Ukraine. We're talking about mm-hmm. Russia. The the war that's going on. I don't know if anybody's heard about it, but there is a war going on between Russia and Ukraine right now, and. Putin, in his what you called version of State of the Union, uh, he said they are going to suspend their participation in the START Treaty, which came as quite a shock to me, Diane, because I had no idea they were actually following it to begin with. They haven't been following it since day one. But, you know, I think here we need to say something that people really need to understand This is a war between Russia and Putin. I mean, Russia and Ukraine, I should say. Right. However, it's also a war between the United States, Russia, and now China. And whether people want to admit it or not, we might not be in full-blown World War III, but we're definitely in a prelude to it. I I mean... It's it's hard not to believe that this is the beginning of that. Right. 
you know, and, and when Putin steps up and says we're we're no longer going to participate in the START treaty, you know, which which is you know a, a treaty that bans testing of of nuclear weapons and uh, and the amount each side can have, right? And you know, so we all we already know that Russia has way more than the treaty allows, right? You know, and they haven't really stopped making them. So they haven't really been following that treaty to begin with. And, and you go back a few years, and Trump wanted to, to get rid of it because he knew that Russia wasn't following it. And basically, it was only hamstringing us. It wasn't doing anything to slow Russia down. Well, here's a little uh, tidbit. I don't think we were following it either. Well, I, you know, it's it, it's hard, it's hard to imagine knowing what Russia was doing and knowing they were violating the treaty. It's hard to believe that we were sticking to it, right? And, and remember who was president around these times? I mean, come on, yeah. And I'm not talking Trump. I'm talking Obama here, folks. Right, because that treaty goes back a ways. Right, you know, and. It's yeah. It's I agree. It's hard to believe that we were actually sticking to the letter of the law or the the letter of the treaty, as it were. Mm-hmm. Russia certainly wasn't. That treaty has been really a treaty in name only, almost since the very beginning. Right. Well, you know the way things are going now, and with what Putin did today with his announcements and. This and that. I, I, I really believe the bottom line is the Russian people or his military need to take him out because this man will do the first nuclear strike. And by taking him out, you mean like to McDonald's or something for a Happy Meal? Uh, I don't think they serve Happy Meals where he would be going. Oh, that kind of taking out. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to clarify. I mean, come on, we got to be honest here. This is a madman, a de- man full of delusions with a finger on the nuclear button. And everybody thinks that if he's going to set off a nuke, it's going to be in Ukraine. I he's tend not set to off think that. A nuke, it's either going to be Europe or it's going to be here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a dangerous game, and uh, yeah. you know the the guy playing the game on our side of it is not up to it. No, and yesterday or the day before, he made an announcement that his campaign is going to be based on the policies and done in the way that Obama did his campaign. Oh. If that doesn't scare you, folks. I don't know what will. More fundamental transforming? More. Much, much more. Well, you know, I, I do agree with Biden supporting Ukraine. However, I have a good solution for the people in our country who say we shouldn't be supporting them at all. The money needs to go here, here, and here. I think maybe for every dollar Biden spends uh, sends over to Ukraine, he needs to send an equal amount to secure our border. Yeah, good luck with that. I know. I, it's a pipe dream. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, we'll keep an eye, obviously, on that situation right. over there. Uh, like I said, it's been a weird week so far. 
and mm-hmm. we're only at Tuesday, so by Friday's show, we might have updates on that if if the world still exists by Friday. If it exists, right. Oh, God. And, and, you know, the sad part of all of that is, is we were the world's greatest military. We saved, basically, humanity in World War II. Now our military is more concerned, the generals are more concerned with being woke than being a viable military force to be reckoned with. And that scares me, too. It does. You know, they say you're never taking flack until you're directly above the target. And right now, Ron DeSantis is taking flack. He's taking flack and he's taking out and out lies. You know, Trump and and now uh, Haley, Nikki Haley, Sununu, uh, yeah, uh, John Sununu, they're all taking pot shots at Ron DeSantis. Um, DeSantis hasn't even declared as a candidate yet, and yet he's the front runner. Now, see, I have a theory. If you're behind in the polls, and right now Trump is behind in the polls, Nikki Haley is barely registering in the polls. Right. And I don't know, uh, you know, where Sununu stands. He might actually be behind Nikki Haley, um, <laughs> which, which, you know, there's not a whole lot of room to be behind Nikki Haley because what she's at a half a percent or something. Well, she's not really campaigning for president. Come on, she's campaigning for vice president. Yeah, but still, she's out there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all taking shots at DeSantis because he's leading in the polls. If you're behind in the polls, my theory says you take shots at the leader in the polls. And right now, that's Ron DeSantis. And he's leading Trump by over 10 points in a, a big survey, the Mammoth survey. But what gets me mad is President Trump. I think President Trump was one of the best presidents we ever had. I was proud to vote for him. I will vote for him again if he gets the nomination. But he's got to stop his lies. Ron DeSantis DeSantis was the first governor to say no to the mandates, no to anything. Trump in a, a tweet from his truth social said Ron DeSantis locked down Florida and and didn't release it and he's uh, shutting down Florida beaches and this and that no just the opposite and that's what the nation is taking note of Florida is known as the free state for a reason we were the first to say no we're not shutting down again after the one that everybody did when the president ordered it He opened up Florida. We've been free. We haven't had the mandates. Our businesses are are thriving. Our home industry is still better than most of the country. And there's something very strange. If, If DeSantis is as bad as Trump is saying, why is everybody hightailing it out of their states and coming here? Well, I got another question for you. Why isn't anybody leaving Florida. If DeSantis is that bad, and he's he's a disaster, the the way Trump claims he is, and the way Nikki Haley claims he is, if he's that much of a disaster, why aren't people leaving the state of Florida? They're not. I know. Now, let me ask you this: 
Don't you think it's just a tad bit ironic that the guy who invented and runs Truth Social is now spreading propaganda? Yes, I do. And I'm very disappointed in President Trump. He doesn't have to sink to this level. He's got a good economic record, a good foreign policy record. Remember the Abraham Accords. We were not there was no wars going on while President Trump was in office. He should be running on that, not trying to discredit somebody who's not even a candidate yet. It well, doesn't make any sense. It makes me wonder where the man that we elected went. Well, I don't think he went anywhere. Okay, And I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay, and, and, you know, I'm not defending Trump, but this is how he won the nomination in 2016. He it's went, at, I, I understand that. That's not my point. My point is, this is how he won the nomination in 2016. He went after everybody, everybody who emerged as a front runner. Because remember, when he declared in 2015, he was far from the front runner. Right. You know, he was just Donald Trump coming down the escalator. Okay. Yeah. But he went after every single front runner very harshly and, 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 you know, in this same manner. And it worked. It worked for him then. That's why I believe he's doing it now. He, he's looking at his campaign track record when he should be looking at his track record in the Oval Office. Exactly. And and not only that, it's not 2016 anymore. We now need the next generation of leaders. I have been saying this for years. It's time to turn it over to the next generation of leaders. Leaders like Ron DeSantis, military, ex-military, a JAG lawyer, a successful governor, a conservative a family man, a man who, who, you know, woke, woke dies in Florida. Yeah, that's... You know, we don't have that nonsense. He has not allowed it. Our schools are teaching what schools should teach. They're not indoctrinating. We are the greatest state in the union due to Ron DeSantis. I agree. Trump should not be going after him. He should be running on the good things that he did because he is making a fool of himself. Well, if Trump, and I'll just say this, and then we've got to move to the next topic. But if Trump would get up there on the campaign trail on these stages and say, I know how to fix the economy. I've done it before right. and we had great success. And I know how to handle these foreign nations because we've done it before and we had great success. And I know how to handle the energy situation because we did mm -hmm. it before and became energy independent. Right. And I know how to handle the border because we did that and had the lowest illegal uh, crossings in history. Exactly. Yeah, if he got up there and did those things and talked about his record in the White House – Rather right. than going on the attack, on, on personal attacks, my guess is, right now, Trump might be leading in the polls. But this tactic isn't working. No, it isn't. And let me say just one more thing about that. If you notice, 
Okay, Ron DeSantis is on a pro-police tour right now, supporting our men and women in blue. Trump should be maybe doing something like that too. And also, to me, the main thing is, Ron DeSantis is not attacking anyone. And that shows a strength of character that right now Donald Trump is lacking. Yep, I, I agree. Um, experts, or you know, whoever the experts are, they're warning that war in Asia is on its way. I'm not so sure they're wrong. Taiwan. Yeah. Taiwan is the perfect example. China is itching for war. They want Taiwan back, saving face the whole nine yards. I did an article about that. They want to flex muscle, to save face, and they don't care if they lose 100,000, 200,000, a million people in a war. They don't care. You know, their population is in, is in the billions. What do they care? I, yeah, they, you know, they've got attrition on their side. Yes. You know, here's, here's what I think. If China's going to make a move on Taiwan, I think they're going to do it this year. I agree. Um, because if they get too close to 2024, and all indications are right now, and of course, you know, we're way out from the 2024 election, and, you know, but let's say it's either DeSantis or Trump, okay, right. uh, that wins the 2024 election, takes office in January 2025. China knows they're not going to get away with this crap then, but they can now because of Joe Biden. And they might as well do it, you know, while they can, Russia will support them just like they are now going to support Russia against Ukraine. So you will have those two forces. One will be fighting in the West, one will be fighting in the East, meaning Ukraine, meeting Taiwan. And where does that leave us? Well, I can tell you exactly where it leaves us. I we'll say be, it facetiously. We'll be, sh- we'll be shooting down balloons. Yeah. You know, I mean. dollar balloons. Because yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, here's, here's the thing. Biden is compromised. China has Biden right where they want him. Exactly. Okay, he's beholding to China. Hunter is beholding to China. Joe's been raking in millions from China over the years. They've got him right where they want him, and I guarantee you they've got all all the the dirt on him. They know mm-hmm. that Biden, even if he was mentally fit, which he's not, mm-hmm. they know that Biden won't stand strong against china because they own joe biden yeah if joe biden even remembers anything i watched his speech today in poland this is the representative of the united states on the world stage i know it's frightening it's it it is very frightening folks well and i'll tell you what makes it so frightening is the whole world is watching everything he does and listening to everything he says and it's a bunch of gobbledygook it's nonsense yeah Yeah. 
it's it, we are in a very bad place right now folks we are the laughing stock of the world and it's due to this administration we have someone who's mentally incompetent running our country and then we have a blathering idiot as the vice president right i mean it's that's why we need the next generation we need a fresh start well in china i mean things are heating up and the asian theater uh, is going to be i think is going to become a hot spot before you know before the end of this year and maybe even as early as this summer could very well be and then we'll have a hot spot in the far east and a hot spot in europe yep and we can't handle either one of them. Finally, right. in quick hitters tonight, Minnesota, the land of liberals, they want to ban your gas-powered lawn equipment. Like that's going to really go over well. I mean, they're trying to, it's funny, catch up with the wokesters in California to see who could be more woke than the other who could bow down to the climate change gods. I mean, this is ridiculous. Can you imagine people with, let's say, one acre and two acre parcels of land having an extension cord that long to mow their lawns? Well, I mean, you know, extension cords on some of those things, batteries on others, you know. And like you say, if you got a a lot of, of ground to mow, chances are you've got a riding lawnmower. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is all of Minnesota going to be plugging in their rechargeable mowers all at the same time? And what's that going to do to the power grid? I mean, out in California, they're already telling people, don't all plug in your cars at the same time. Like one person knows when the other person's plugged in. Well, when you live in liberal land, you know, remember, it's one common mind. With I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like the Borg. Right. You know? Yeah, it's like the Borg, exactly. You know, resistance <laughs> is futile. Um, yes. But, I mean, how is the grid going to handle this? We don't have, uh, you know, the power grid is stretched almost to its limit, right. especially in the summer months with air conditioning and all that. And now you're asking people to buy all electric vehicles. They got to plug those in. Buy all electric lawn equipment. They got to plug all that in. You know they're they're going to be cooking on only electric ranges, which obviously are plugged in. Um, I I don't think they can handle it. They're they're really putting the cart in front of the horse. And you can't build enough of these goofy solar things and turbines to cover it. You just can't can't. It doesn't work. And they don't work. That's the bottom line. They don't work. You know, they, they, they're dependent on basically the wind. Well, not every day is windy. Well, or, or sun and not every day is sunny. Exactly. You know, and, and you, you just can't, you can't force people into this stuff and expect it to work. We're not yeah. equipped for that. This country is is not equipped for running on battery power. I'm sorry. You know what it is? We're way, 
Eventually, maybe someday they, there will be more battery-operated vehicles and tools and whatever. But we're not at that point yet where the batteries are safe. Look what's happening to a lot of the electric cars with their lithium batteries. Yeah, they turn into carbicues. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're not at the point where this is a sustainable form of energy. We're just yeah. not. And I don't think we're anywhere close to it. Now, I've never used an electric lawnmower. Okay, so I don't know how good they are. I know they're getting better, but I don't know how good they are. I don't know how long it'll last. Like, you know, I don't have the biggest yard in the world, but I have, you know, uh, enough grass to mow. I don't know if I could get the whole yard done on a single charge. I don't know. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There is nothing wrong with keeping our grid the way it is. You want to have some adjunct electric stuff, fine. If you want to fall for that stuff, fine. But cutting our dependence on fossil fuels is really ridiculous. Especially when we have an abundance of fossil fuels and it's always replenishable yeah so i don't know figure it out minnesota oh but wait a minute do you know who the biggest supplier of lithium is in the world oh yeah it's china china yeah you see the connection folks yeah i mean you, you can't you can't do what the liberals want you to do in the name of green energy without supporting china who we may wind up at war with yes I mean, common sense, people. Yeah, and you nobody's know? using it. Nobody, you know, they're heralding lithium batteries. Well, guess where your lithium is coming from? Yeah, it's crazy. Folks, we've hit the bottom of the hour. That means we got to take a quick break, get a couple of station IDs in. About 30 minutes from now, we're talking about Biden's Palooza. But when we come back from this short break, Diane's got it with an essay on Ukraine. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot 
at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor, getting you through the Tuesday night edition of the show. And if you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and become a pot person. Yep, we love our pod people. Gaining more and more pod people all the time. That's what it's all about. Thank you, Podbean, for being such gracious hosts of the yes. Right Side Patriots podcast. We appreciate it. Okay, so there's this little thing going on in Ukraine. Probably nobody's heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of questions being asked. There's a lot of of you know discrepancy you know some people are for it some people are against it diane you kind of looked at it this week and and you put together actually an essay on ukraine to try and answer some of the questions primarily what are we doing with ukraine why are we doing this yeah and i did it from a philosophical point folks But let me start by saying history is a cruel mistress and that lessons learned are not always remembered nor acted upon in a wise or timely manner. And here I speak of the lessons of war, lessons regarding the foreboding of possible war to come, as well as lessons reminding some that things that needed to be done were simply not done. And war is more times than not the breeding ground of small-minded men with Napoleon complexes who see today's world as but a mere chapter in the ongoing saga of what many believe to be just a geopolitical rivalry between the world's three major superpowers. Afraid to face the truth about issues way more complex than just three nations jockeying for the number one superpower position, those here in the U.S., those in Putin's Russia, as well as those in Red China, know that both circumstances and ambition, peppered with self-perceived righteousness, driven in part by media dictates, can, when melded together as one, be the determining factor in who becomes the victor and who the loser, with what was believed to be a just cause being relegated to the animal annals of war's history alone. Such is the case, I believe, in regards to the current happenings in Ukraine, for the fact is that Ukraine and Russia have a long, bloody, and ever so complicated history with each other, no matter words to the contrary. In fact, in June 1945, Ukraine then known as the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic, was among the first countries to sign the United Nations Charter, thus being one of its 51 founding members. Also remember that the then USSR actually endorsed Ukraine's entry as it being a separate country, basically, Craig, admitting Ukraine's autonomy albeit a separate country, that they counted on to always vote and side with them. You know, in Europe, 
uh, one country poking another country with a sharp stick is nothing new. Um, and, and especially when you look at these two particular countries that are engaged right now, it's nothing new. So how did we get here uh, at this point, and, and what are we looking at here? Okay, well, while numerous conflicts did exist between the two countries in the year since then, the UN I'm talking about, today's highly volatile and dangerous situation started with Russia's February 2022 invasion of a country whose leaders were looking towards the future as in Ukraine truly becoming part of Europe, instead of continuing to allow their country and her people to live in the past, a past that would see Ukraine officially returning to Mother Russia's fold. And with Vladimir Putin's overinflated ego, coupled with his personally driven quest for history-making immortality, being the hope-for components that would propel Russia to victory, Putin deliberately escalated the still smoldering eight-year-long conflict that began with Russia's 2014 annexation of Crimea, the very action seen by many world leaders as the historic turning point for European security. And so with his victory in Crimea, Putin gambled on both Mother Russia's and himself being invincible and unstoppable, with Russia being victorious in war and with his being hailed as the motherland's hero. Thankfully, though, history seems to have other things in mind for Vladimir Putin, as he is now being seen by many, military folks included, as not just the purveyor of major strategic blunders in regards to his underestimating his enemy's strength and determination, but also as the destroyer of what was once great Mother Russia herself. Strength, focus, determination, and history, catalysts all peppered with a healthy dose of reality, finds Ukraine, the second most populous and powerful of the 15 former Soviet republics, aka satellites, now standing its ground against one of the world's greatest armies and its egomaniacal dictator who relishes in his having one hand on the nuclear button at all times. And as Ukraine continues to forge its own destiny as a sovereign and independent nation, a nation truly free to align itself with nations in the West, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky continues his personal quest to find a way to balance his country's hope for the future, while at the same time resolving what remains deep-seated internal divisions with his, within his own country and government, divisions not unlike those seen during the time of our civil war. Craig, a war that saw brother pick up arms against their own blood brother, just as Russia now picks up arms against their genetically tied Ukrainian blood brothers. You know, it's an interesting analogy looking at Ukraine and and the Russia situation and comparing it to our civil war back in the 1800s. Can you flesh that out maybe just a little bit and, and kind of expand on, on that analogy? Because I think it's a good one. Okay. Well, think of the Ukrainian-speaking population in the western part of Ukraine 
those who support becoming part of the EU and NATO, as being akin to the North's Union soldiers, while Russian-speaking folks in Ukraine's east, those wanting closer ties with Putin's Russia, as being Confederate soldiers. Now compare and contrast the framework for each war, minus the issue of slavery, which itself was more about economics than the actual breaking of black folks' chains, and one can see how eerily similar they are as both wars started with so-called breakaway territories declaring their independence from the homeland, the Confederate states declaring independence from the U.S., the Russian-backed states of Donetsk and Luhansk doing so from Ukraine. And so also know that both wars targeted the trade and transportation networks of the opposing side. In our civil war, access was restricted to Confederate ports with European nations feigning the face of neutrality while openly supplying arms and munitions to both sides. In regards to Ukraine, last year not only did NATO nations close their airspace to Russia, but international sanctions actually helped to restrict Russian trade, while we and others who supported Ukraine continued and still continue to send them military aid with neutrality ever so wisely, thankfully not even in the picture. And Craig, neutrality, in my opinion, is but the front of cowards, for to be successful in war means one must not fear the taking of sides, nor the collateral damage incurred. And while both our civil war and the still ongoing Russia v. Ukraine war, a war that in reality is simply a war of self-determination, sees as their basic commonality a striving for national reunification, coupled with both political and economic conquest. But know that more times than not, it's tangible success in battle alone that determines who history portrays as heroes and who are portrayed as villains, as well as who will be determined to be the ultimate winners and losers in this modern-day version of civil war. So, like any civil war... You got to pick a side, right? I mean, you can't just go along to get along uh, in a situation like this. What is at stake here? I mean, a lot of people are asking why this matters to the United States. Why are we spending tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars propping up Ukraine? So why should we care? Okay, simply because... Ukraine's and the world's free nations, for our own good, it best be Ukraine that wins this war. For if Ukraine falls to Russia, if she falls to Vladimir Putin, the face of Europe herself will change. For Putin will not stop at Ukraine, nor will he take his hand off the nuclear button. For madmen and egomaniacs are not constrained by the ties of common sense or logic. And it's for this reason alone that we must, must continue our military and monetary support of Ukraine, no matter what the naysayers in both parties here at home say. For without our support, Ukraine will in the end fall, setting off what will truly be World War Three. Why so? 
because modern day history has shown that when U.S. support for any just war is lacking or minimal at best, as it currently is with Ukraine, or when the U.S. enters a said war fairly late in the game, as we did in World War II, said war tends to last longer with more casualties and collateral damage accrued than if the might of the U.S. military had entered said war sooner rather than later. In today's truly global world, for better or worse, a world now rife with the stain of cowardly non-interventionist policies, the aggressor, in this case Vladimir Putin and Russia, is given the time, space, and media coverage needed to help stage the battlefields of war to play out in their favor. We see it now happening on a daily basis, with every step forward Zelensky and his forces make being met by a new and more deadly barrage of Putin's savagery, with Italian civilian casualties showing no signs of abating. So history, as I stated earlier, has once again become a cruel mistress as we and our allies basically sit by and watch those in Ukraine bravely continuing their fight against seemingly insurmountable, insurmountable odds, with help from the U.S. and NATO being fleeted at best. Ukrainians are fighting for their freedom. After all, freedom is and always will be worth fighting for. While we tally up the dollars and cents spent, knowing well that Joe Biden's promises made to Ukraine might never come to fruition. Our problems here at home cannot compare to what the Ukrainian people are facing. And know that is truth that if Ukraine does fall, what's to stop Putin from overtaking Europe and then setting his sights on the U.S.? I guess we'll just have to wait and see how it all plays out, but know that when madmen and fools are in control, when history's lessons learned are ignored, there truly is no safe place to call home. Case closed. I tell you, uh, an essay on Ukraine. This is a very interesting piece. It's not a long piece. It's a quick read. If you go to Diane's blog at the the uh, patriotfactor.blogspot.com, you can get it there. If you go to rspradio1.com, you can get the link there. And we hope that you share it. But, Diane, I got I to gotta bring in a couple of different factors here that I think are pretty interesting that – you know, one of which is more or less it's it's been around for a while. The other is kind of a brand new development. On the been around for a while side of it, your essay is in direct contrast with the things that Tucker Carlson has been talking about for a year now on his uh, television show. And let let me just say this: obviously. Tucker Carlson is allowed his opinion. And I yes. think I think in a lot of cases he's making some pretty good points. But one thing he's not doing is exactly what you did, and that's stand back far enough to see the bigger picture. Right. Tucker Carlson, and I like Tucker Carlson, make no mistake about it. He has been against this Ukrainian war since day one. This is not new. I don't agree with him for the simple reason is I don't th- 
think he really understands the ramifications and what could be a very bad outcome for everyone. Well, and that, that's what exactly what I mean. He's not looking at the broader picture. He's looking at this like a one-off. Right. And, and I don't believe it's a one-off. Um, you know, if this was a war that would be contained between Russia and Ukraine and whoever wins, that's the end of it. Right. Then, then I would I would tend to lean more towards what Tucker Carlson says. I agree. But I, I don't th- I don't think this is the case, and I don't think Putin is looking at this as a one-off. And that brings me to the other point, which is the new development. We just learned yesterday that a document from Putin states that he wants to take over Belarus by 2025. Now, yes. here's the interesting part of that. Just before that document went public, and I mean like 24 hours before it went public, the the president of Belarus said, if the United States continues and gets more deeply involved in this war between Russia and Ukraine, Belarus would step in and fight with the Russians. 24 hours later, it comes out that Putin wants to take over Belarus. Not only that, he's he was also part of the problems that Moldova is now having. And they want to be sided with Ukraine and be part of Europe. So here, what you're seeing is Putin very gradually starting to retake the former Soviet satellites, or at least hoping to. Well, it, this is a very dangerous situation, and I don't think Tucker Carlson really understands the ramifications in play. Yeah, you know, like I said, it, it's not a one-off, and that's obvious. Putin's not going to stop. Okay, right. so what we're involved with here is, I guess, for lack of a better term, domino theory, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. No one question. F- one falls, it goes on to the next. That one falls, it goes on to the next. Um, there's, and there's, Poland. Poland is very concerned about this. As well they should be. And yeah. Poland is part of NATO. Okay. And if, if a NATO country gets attacked in, in all of this, well, then what? Then we're obligated by our commitment to NATO to get involved. And if we get involved with boots on the ground, there's your World War Three, folks. Okay, so that brings up a question that I've had since I first read your essay. Okay. We are now exactly one year into the war between Russia and Ukraine. Right. Ukraine is apparently winning. Mm-hmm. But it's a very slow grind. I mean, they, right. they win a little bit, they lose a little bit, they win a little bit, they lose a little bit. And to be honest, it's kind of hard to tell really where things stand because we're getting rhetoric and propaganda from both sides. We get propaganda Absolutely. from Russia, we're getting propaganda from Zelensky, and it's it's hard to make a determination as where things really stand. But one thing is becoming obvious. This is not going to be a short war. No. Okay, with that in mind, right, with that in mind, as this war grinds on, does America eventually put American boots on the ground in Ukraine? 
I think what we're going to do first is we're going to put uh, more bases, more men, more equipment in Poland. I think that will be the entry into Ukraine. I think eventually we might very well have to go into Ukraine. I'm also fearing that at some point Israel is going to have to get involved. But I'm not fearing for the way most people think. I think eventually something that might put an end to this war is if Israel gives Ukraine the capability of launching an EMT, EMT, EMT attack yeah. yes, on Russian forces. Okay, now, now that you say that, <laughs> that brings up another question for me. Mm-hmm. If Israel gets involved in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. isn't that going to drag Iran into this? Iran's already in it because they are and have been for quite some time. The drone attacks that you hear on Ukrainian forces, they're being done with Iranian drones. Right. I I understand that. But doesn't it drag Iran more into it? Do they not get involved in something more than supplying drones? I mean, this is is really what this essay is all about. Because if, if Putin isn't stopped here, Right. Okay. Then it's open season on Europe. It's open season on Israel. Absolutely. It's open season. Taiwan will fall next. Right. What will happen to the nations that we at one time were enemies with who were now allies and friends with? Nations like Vietnam and Thailand and, and everything else. We are on the verge of Armageddon. Now, I'm not talking religious Armageddon, folks. I'm talking a nuclear Armageddon because Putin would be more than happy to press that button. Well, and there's a second Armageddon, and this goes all the way back in your essay to what you were talking about, that great analogy between what's happening in the war uh, in Ukraine with Russia and our civil war because then you've got the opportunity for economic Armageddon as well. Yes. Yes, and what people don't understand, you know, yes, the Civil War, the slaves were free, but the war was not technically about freeing slaves. It was about the economy. Right. And the slaves became the front to sort of mask that. And that's what's happening in Ukraine, because this is also an economic war. In a because very Ukraine, big way. No, what most people don't know is Ukraine was kind of like a bread a breadbasket for Russia. They supplied Russia with a lot of foodstuffs. Well, not only Russia, but other countries in Europe as well. In Europe as well, right? So Russia's actually biting the hand that literally fed them, which is why they're, they're so desperate care. to win. Exactly. You know, it's and- up to the Russian people or the Russian military, to put a stop to this. Because this is not going to end if Ukraine falls. Well, it's not going to end well. No. You know, um, it's it, this is a very interesting topic. And 
I'm sure you've gotten some interesting responses from it because there's people on both sides of the issue. People saying, yeah, we got to we got to keep helping Ukraine and other people saying we got to get out of there and, and quit this madness. But, yes. you know, if you look at history, like Diane says, you know, in, in a couple of places here, history is not rife with success when we stay out of these types of conflicts early on in Europe. Exactly. And remember also, folks, if the United States had entered World War II before Pearl Harbor, there might have not been a Pearl Harbor and there not and there might not be six million Jews dead. Well, not only would there maybe not have been a Pearl Harbor, there would not have been uh, a war with Japan. Right. And, you know, and fighting in the Pacific and fighting in the Atlantic and fighting in Europe. And I mean, you know, uh, we we tried and, and we tried this in World War One as well. But, you know, World War Two is a little fresher in people's minds. But we tried to go along, get along in right. both those world wars at the very beginning. That certainly didn't work out. And it never works out. You no. have to take a side. You have to have the courage to take a side. You have to stand by your inner convictions. And we're no longer doing that. Right. And, and the way we're going about it now, I will agree with Tucker Carlson on this point. The way we're going about it now is 100% wrong. I agree. You, you know, we're dilly-dallying around too much. I agree. Just yeah. like we are at the border, just like we are with everything else. When you have an administration that is not pro-American, when you have an administration that's on the take, payola, payoffs, this and that, it's not in the best interests of our country or our allies. And that's where we are right now. We're, we're in the middle of a corrupt administration who doesn't care about Americans so why should they really care and give 100% to our allies? That's it, it, a valid question. Folks, if you want your own copy of this, if you want to read it for yourself and share it, and we hope you do, an essay on Ukraine, go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or rspradio1.com. Either place, you can find the link and uh, read it for yourself and share it everywhere. It, it just, you know, bear in mind, you, you, you people are most likely on one side of this issue or the other. Right. But if, if you can, if you can share the article and engage in discussion the way Diane and I just have, every side might learn something. Yeah. The, yeah. People just don't understand war is not a game. There has to be a winner and a loser in war. There has to be collateral damage. There has to be victors. There has to be losers. There's no uh, um, no neutrality anymore. Our world dictates that neutrality should not exist. Neutrality favors the aggressor. Yes, is simply what it is. And really kind of the point I think Diane is trying to get across in the 25 seconds or so we have left in this segment is that if this was going to be confined to Ukraine and Russia and that's that, then then we should probably stay out of it. 
But history right. tells us that doesn't happen. No, not at all. All right, we've made it to the top of the hour. That means another quick break, a couple of station IDs. When we come back, we're going to have a little fun, a little snark, a few laughs. Biden's Balloonapalooza. I love that title. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, Check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, getting towards the end. One more week of February and then it's gone. Yeah. If you miss any part of tonight's show, and believe me, if you missed any of that discussion after the last segment, you're, you're going to be sorry you missed that. Go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. Get the podcast by pushing the podcast button and listen to it. Interesting. Interesting stuff. All right. So we've dealt with the serious topics. (laughs) Now we need to have a wee bit of fun. Oh, yes, we do. Now, people may have missed out on this over the last couple of weeks, but there were some balloon issues in the U.S., yeah, full of hot air. Yep. <laughs> full, full of hot air. Uh, you know, a bunch of gas bags floating around. Not any of them were Nancy Pelosi. Nope. But I I looked at that, and I was getting, look, I, I'll, I'll admit, I was getting questions. People were sending me messages. Are you going to deal with the balloon issue? Because I had not. You know, Diane, you did a great article on the balloon thing a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, and I hadn't dealt with it, but... The more of this stuff that came out, the more we learned since you did that article, I thought, I can't let this go. 
especially with the special snark treatment. Biden's Balloonapalooza. <laughs> According to China, last week they intend to, quote, take measures against U.S. entities related to the downing of a suspected Chinese spy balloon off the American East Coast, unquote. The Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson, Wang Wenbin, gave no details about that, nor did he identify the targets of such measures. For their part, China has said that the balloon in question was not a spy balloon, but a weather balloon that got blown off course. They have not said what government department or company was responsible for it, which is a pretty clear indication that it was not a weather balloon. China also wants their weather balloon, which clearly was not a weather balloon back. And while that probably won't happen with Joe Biden in charge, who knows? Since the February 4th shoot-down of that balloon, our woke military has shot down three more somethings. An F-16 shot something octagonal out of the sky over Lake Huron a bit over a week ago, but it took two Sidewinder missiles at a cost of roughly $400,000 apiece to get the job done. Diane, while we spent nearly a million bucks to blast the floating octagon out of the sky, especially if you factor in the cost of launching an F-16 along with the missiles, we still haven't been told exactly what it was that we bagged that day. Well, you know, there's some interesting theories floating around about what it was, what it wasn't. But what's very odd is certain people who you wouldn't expect would stick their two cents into this opinion-wise are doing just that. I, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm looking at the illustration. I, I know. And I, Hi, Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's standing there uh, waving, <laughs> yes. waving uh, with that one certain somebody. Look, we supposedly know what it wasn't. When I'm talking about that balloon, we've been told by the current regime that it was not aliens from outer space. General Glenn Van Herc, who leads NORAD and the U.S. Northern Command, didn't rule out space aliens last week, but White House Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall did, saying that, quote, there are no UFOs. This is not an invasion of the aliens. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny because people are communicating this on platforms that are widely viewed, and it's creating fear that is unnecessary, unquote. Now, that seemed to be a fairly decisive statement until National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said a week ago that he doesn't think the American people need to worry about aliens with respect to these craft. Now that, of course, begs the question, if we're willing to spend perhaps a million bucks apiece to shoot down these things, shouldn't we at the very least know what they are before we start shooting heat-seeking missiles at them? I mean, if they are space aliens, aren't we running the risk of really pissing them off? I mean, think about it. They spend light years floating through intergalactic space in a flimsy helium-filled balloon 
only to get shot at while they're trying to find a place to pee and pick up a few snacks before continuing on their merry way to find a planet that actually has intelligent life. In the light of what the government told us regarding whatever it was that fell out of the sky near Roswell, New Mexico back in 1947, should we really believe them when they tell us that what they've been shooting down recently are not space aliens. Diane, what we're being told by the government regarding sky floaties, should we actually believe it? Well, I I have to touch upon Marvin for a bit. He was waving guys with his middle finger, but that's not the point. The point Well, he was making a point. Yeah, I'm making a point here. Do you honestly think if aliens were coming down to Earth, they would come in a balloon that could be popped? I'm, I'm thinking probably not. <laughs> but, but you know, according to some elements of our high command, you can't rule it out. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the key. High command. I wonder what they're high on. <laughs> well, isn't NORAD located in Colorado? It very well might be. So yeah. there's your answer. <laughs> there, there you go. Listen, last week, White House Homeland Security Advisor Liz Sherwood Randall claimed there might be hundreds of these things floating about, if not thousands of them. And then she said that they could be used car lot balloons. <laughs> Which begs another question. Are we really going to scramble fighter jets armed to the teeth every time a balloon gets away from Bob's used car emporium because the new salesman failed to secure it to the roof rack of a rusty 1998 Ford Explorer. Last week, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan announced an interagency task force to study the flying objects. Well, thank God we now have an interagency governmental task force on the case because there are potentially thousands of wayward used car lot balloons posing a clear and present danger to commercial air traffic. Now, let me at this point just state the obvious. If there are thousands of used car lot balloons wafting about in the breeze, it's nothing new. It's probably been that way since used car lot owners figured out they could grab attention by tethering big balloons to old cars, and yet I have never heard of a single case of a passenger jet being brought down with catastrophic loss of life due to a balloon that says, great deals on wheels on it. <laughs> now let's just be honest here. We're now shooting down balloons because Joe Biden got caught with his pants down when a Chinese spy balloon was allowed to float across the entire U.S. for eight days without doing anything about it. Diane, it was bad enough when we sent China a clear message that we would allow them to surveil us for more than a week with 19th century technology dangling 21st century arrays from it. But... It's even worse, sending them the message that our woke military is completely unable to distinguish the difference between a spy balloon the size of three school buses and an innocuous advertising balloon 
the size of a Mini Cooper? You know what, Craig? It's not that they are unable to distinguish the difference. It's because they don't want to distinguish the, you know, what it is. And why? Because if they admitted what it was, they can't throw their woke nonsense into the public discourse. Uh, But now they can because they kind of left what it is open-ended. Look, I I agree with you 100%. Well, I know that the garden variety liberal politician can't figure out which bathroom a college swimmer should be using. I guarantee you that we have satellites in geosynchronous orbit that can tell the difference between a boy and a girl horsefly sitting on a meadow muffin. But we're expected to believe that our military can't tell the difference between a spy balloon and a car lot balloon. Mm -hmm. Last week, North American Aerospace Defense Command, that's NORAD, said they were conducting a live-fly air defense exercise off the coast of Washington State and British Columbia after four Russian planes were detected and intercepted over the Alaska Air Defense Identification Zone. NORAD said it was a routine incident. NORAD said that the training exercise is in no way related to recent NORAD and U.S. Northern Command operations associated with the airborne objects over North America during the last two weeks. Of course it's not, because we didn't take any pot shots at the Russian planes, unlike our response to things that can't shoot back. To be clear, NORAD issued the following statement regarding those Russian planes, and I quote, Russian aircraft remained in international airspace and did not enter American or Canadian sovereign airspace. This Russian activity in the North American ADIZ occurs regularly and is not seen as a threat nor is the activity seen as provocative, unquote. On the other hand, Diane, loose balloons from corner car lots are provocative enough to require F-22 Raptors and Stinger missiles? Yeah, this is just ridiculous. This Chinese spy balloon floated over our country, maneuvering its way as it went for eight long days before Biden under public pressure was forced to take it down then they garner what pieces they can get from you know the explosion of the balloon now they're saying that the other things they shot down they cannot get (laughs) the pieces of what it was because the waters are too rough or it's too cold or this that or the other thing they don't want us to know the truth about car balloons. <laughs> well, here's the question. Folks, are you confused yet? Because you should be. Because the confusion is by design. The Biden regime doesn't want you to know what they're doing. And to cover that up, they're telling us as many different stories as they can think of. A Chinese spy balloon floated over the U.S. for eight days before the Biden regime did anything about it. Then they shot something out of the sky over Canada, over Alaska, and over Lake Huron. But they want you to believe 
that while they don't know what those last three things were, they pose some danger. Come on. I don't believe for a moment, and neither should you, that NORAD was not aware of them well before they got into our airspace. And I'm willing to bet that they have known all along exactly what they were. The problem is NORAD most likely has been ordered not to disclose what they were because they were either our own weather balloons, some 12-year-old kid science fair project, used car lot balloons, or whatever. They're most definitely not space aliens, but the mainstream media is too damn dumb to figure that out. Now we're being told that they can't find the one that they shot down over the wilds of Alaska, nor can they find the one that we shot down over the Yukon in Canada. Those places are just too remote, and we're not sure where we hit them exactly. Really? We have the most sophisticated fighter jets in the world, the most accurate radar systems in the world, and no GPS? Give me a break. We're also being told that the one that went down in Lake Huron probably isn't recoverable, so we'll never know what that one really was. And don't forget, somewhere in or around Lake Huron is a Sidewinder missile that missed its target. Yeah, that's true. I mean, somebody's going to find that. Where did it land? (laughs) Well, they don't even know that. Right. Yeah, right they don't. Then, making matters even worse, it turns out that the UFO we shot down over the Yukon may well have been a hobby balloon belonging to the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. Now, they use what are called Pico Balloons. Diane Pico Balloons can cost anywhere from $12 to $180. That means that the Biden regime scrambled an F-22 Raptor at the cost of $85,325 per hour flight time, which then fired a $400,000 Sidewinder missile to blow out of the sky some Hobby Club's $12 to $180 toy. Yeah, well, you know what, Craig, that all, you know, brings everything back to the Chinese spy balloon, which was a spy balloon. And now, you know, they're starting the blame game again. Well, we can't recover it all. Well, China still wants it back. And knowing Biden, I wouldn't be surprised if he gave them their pieces back. That wouldn't surprise me either. You know. We shot that thing down, the Chinese spy balloon, six miles off our east coast. Mm -hmm. What's the recovery status on that one? Well, we collected the bits and pieces that were floating on the ocean, but we're told that they're having trouble finding or recovering the pieces that sank to the bottom of the ocean. Seriously? We can send a spacecraft to a comet, collect bits of comet tail dust, and bring them back to Earth. Bob Ballard found the Titanic in 12,500 feet of water in just 12 days of searching. Are we really to believe that our military can't find what's left of a Chinese spy balloon the size of three school buses in just 45 feet of water? Are you kidding me? What's Mm -hmm. the matter? Is the water too wet? (laughs) On February 6th, 
I published a commentary entitled The Art of Grand Distraction. And if you haven't read it yet, you should, because what we've been seeing regarding this whole balloon fiasco is the perfect example of what I was getting at in that commentary. Train derailments, a town in Ohio essentially nuked by chemicals, people getting sick, pets and wildlife dying, a mass shooting in Michigan, and balloons. Trust me, if any of Biden's classified documents were on any one of those UFOs, we would not be talking about balloons today. Focus, people. Focus. That's true. You know, Craig, maybe inside the balloons, he was trying to ship the documents to China. Or maybe they were just airlifting. You know, maybe that was airmail a payment. That's, oh, that could be. <laughs> and we shot it down, you know. I mean, I look, we had never shot anything out of our sky in U.S. history. Right. Okay, over from the, U.S. territory. Yeah, yes. over, yeah we, haven't, we haven't shot anything down. Okay, and that includes some of the, the balloons that were coming over. Now, we, we tried to shoot them down. From right. Japan and World War II, but mm-hmm. we weren't very successful. Um, but here's the thing. We get one Chinese spy balloon, and we watch it for eight days. And then Charles Schumer chuckles, says, well, we learned a lot by watching that balloon. Yes, we learned that they can float a balloon over our entire country, and we won't do a damn thing. That's what we learned. That's exactly what we learned. Okay. So we did that, and we didn't do anything until it you know, got off the coast, right? Mm-hmm. And then over the next 10 days, any balloon that floats by, we're sending Raptors and F-16s. <laughs> now, in in Nebraska, we have a tradition in the fall. Now, this tradition ended last year, okay. but it may well pick up again this fall. When the Huskers play football in Memorial Stadium, in Lincoln, Nebraska, when the Huskers make their first score in any game, literally thousands of red balloons go up in the air. Oh, okay. People going into the stadium, they all buy a a red balloon for a buck or two. And literally tens of thousands of people buy these on the way into the stadium. And then our first score, they all let them go. This has been going on since the 60s. Oh, wow. Okay. Imagine this fall in our first home game when we score a touchdown and let loose 10,000 red balloons. Oh, my God. You're going to be bombarded by Biden-ordered aircraft. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, I, this this is all nuts. And this is, why, this is why, folks, I couldn't let it go. Yeah, no, this is pure ludicrousness because simply here it is. We had an enemy sending a balloon over our country, and it was to some degree maneuverable because it had a rudder. It went over our nuclear sites. It went over some secret Air Force bases. We sat back and did nothing. Nothing. Do you realize that? Two kids' balloons go up in the air, and, and we're shooting them down with missiles. Or, or a wayward used car lot balloon. Yeah. I mean, I holy mean, crap. 
It could have been a party balloon. I mean, that was total, total insanity. Total insanity. What if those balloons had been, you know, balloons with the little baskets at the bottom where there's people going on a balloon ride? Yeah, for now, all hot air balloon rides have been canceled. Yeah. (laughs) For fear of Biden. (laughs) Now, you know, with the Chinese spy balloon, we actually got to see video of that thing getting blown out of the sky. Right. Okay. Now, I guarantee you there's video of the other three. Of course there is. We haven't seen them. And you won't see them. You know, people forget that our fighter jets are equipped with cameras. So when they come back, things could be reviewed, looked at, etc. They know what they those were. I have a theory. too embarrassed to admit it. I have a theory as to why we haven't seen the video of the other three. Okay, let's hear it. When the missiles hit them. And, and the balloons popped. How much you want to bet two of them let off a blue mist and one of them let off a pink mist? <laughs> they were gender reveal balloons that got away. Oh, my God. You know what? With Biden and crew, you can't discount anything. Until the Pentagon releases the video, there are people somewhere near Lake Huron that still don't know if they're having a boy or a girl. True. <laughs> True. I'm just saying. Or, wait, a he, she, it, they, jar of mayonnaise. I mean, they don't know what they're having. They, 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 could, they could have almost anything. Exactly. At, at this point. Folks, if you want to have fun, and, and I guarantee you just the illustrations are worth going to looking at this. Marvin is worth going to look at. <laughs> Marvin's worth going to look at. Uh, you know, there's a, a special Top Gun illustration. There's, you know, Diane, you know, brought up, you know, it's lucky it wasn't a hot air balloon, right? There's, there's a photo in there that alludes to that. Um, yes. I know. like the FJB balloon. Yeah, that's, that's the lead, uh, lead illustration in it. I'm surprised um, Facebook didn't throw you. Oh, that's right. You don't, your fo- uh, lead photos don't show up. You use your banner. Right, right. 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 I'm, I'm smart that way. Yes. Folks, if you want to read it for yourself, and I hope you'll share it because I've gotten a great response from this, and and thank you to everybody that's been sending me messages. Biden's Balloonapalooza, and you can find it in two places. You can either get it at thenationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com. Either place you can go find it, grab the link, read it, have some laughs, and share it. Okay. So that's that's what we got for you tonight and Friday, Diane. It's news of the day, right? Yes, and God only knows what the latest is going to be with Biden. Well, we got we got a lot of balls that we're you know juggling, and we're trying to keep an eye on all of it. Um, don't don't be surprised if we're talking about uh, the demise of Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Yeah, Friday. that's, that's going to come within a very short period of time. Yeah, um, you know, and so there's there's a lots of, lots and lots of things that are going on, and as always, we're trying to you know keep up on it. And of course, between now and Friday, God knows what's going to happen. I know. I I honestly expect that Jimmy Carter might 
be gone by Friday. Um, not positive, but just might be. And, and that's going to be a little strange of a topic to handle because he was a terrible president. Well, no However, longer, no longer the worst president. No longer the worst one. That's true. <laughs> um, but yet he was a really decent human being. Everything he did with Habitat for Humanity and his one good thing, the um, peace accord between Israel and Egypt. Um, it's kind of, you know, I hope that because he really was a decent man, that he passes peacefully in his sleep. Yeah, I mean, it's a, certainly we don't wish him any ill. And, you know, he's the longest living uh, U.S. president in history. Right, um, and that'll be his one of his uh, crowning achievements, I guess. But, you know, he had his downsides, too. There was some anti, anti-Semitism involved with him. And, you know, if, if, uh, if need be... You know, if if uh, if the end comes uh, for Jimmy Carter before Friday, we'll we'll cover it, right? You know uh, that and whatever other news there might be. You know, I mean, there there might be more train derailments to talk about. Uh, people in uh, East Palestine, Ohio, might start growing extra heads. Well, you know what's bad about that, Craig? Very fast, the government is now stopped. Uh, stepping in to clean it up. Do you know the problems that could be involved with the government cleaning it up? What could possibly go wrong? What? Maybe we'll have to tell people. Oh, man. You don't want to miss Friday's show. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but you don't want to miss it. (laughs) With that, Diane, it's time for you and I to wrap this one up. So, folks, nighty-night. Good night, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. We'll catch up again on Friday. Bye-bye.